Cosmere can be a confusing place. From Allomancy to Surge Binding, there's a lot to look out for. We're your hosts and escorts to the realms. I'm Griff. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this is, is the Silverlight Silver Guide to the Cosmere. So welcome uh, to our episode on Mistborn Era 1. Um, we've got a lot to discuss before we actually talk about Mistborn Era 1. True, true. Because we typically start with life updates. Indeed. And I don't want to go too in-depth because we don't need people to know too much about us. Uh, but you've you've had a birthday. Congratulations on another revolution around the sun. Thank you, thank you. Um, yes, it was uh, last month. No, yeah. yes, yes. Keep them guessing as to which month. <laughs> um, I didn't have a phone for a month. Yeah, that was unfortunate. One of the that reasons w- <coughs> why this recording is happening somewhat late. Indeed. Um, although for the listeners, it's really not that much late. No, um, no. For the listeners, it should be right on time. But uh... and, and and we want to take a moment to thank the listeners for for being listeners. Yes, we, we appreciate would... your support. The show would. Um, I won't say it wouldn't exist without the listeners, but it would have no point. Indeed, and in fact. Because there are, at the moment, so few listeners, um, the show ex- would probably exist even if there weren't listeners. Yes, so. yes. But, as I said, there would be no point. And hopefully somebody is enjoying what we're putting out. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, first, the first thing I want to hit on um, is my excitement about the Stormlight Miniatures Kickstarter campaign. So I don't know how much you've taken a look at this, and I don't. I have to... not really, because unfortunately, due to other life updates that we will get to, I will probably not have the money to put towards the miniatures. But well, there is good news for that. Um, they are going. They are going to be produced in the summer of next year, and they are being produced for retail. So this oh, is not excellent. this is not a one and done thing. This is a early adoption because Brotherwise Games has been tapped by Dragonsteel to create a Stormlight tabletop role playing game. Very nice. And so these will be a part of that. Um, there are. Some there is one massive exclusive, um, and it is incredibly expensive. So, it's really not it, and it is a it is a almost foot tall sculpture of Kaladin and Zeth fighting in the air. Oh, um, very nice! And it's pretty cool. Uh, and that is it seems to be exclusive to this Kickstarter. Uh, but everything right. else, everything else is not. So, uh, if you don't have the money right now, or you are unsure if you'd rather not get miniatures, or maybe start your miniature painting with these, um, you can wait. 
Uh, and uh, for those who are interested, they do have the official design of, I mean, not only the characters, because they've worked incredibly hard on the actual official designs of these characters. They have revealed uh, Kaladin in his uh, shard plate. Um, for the okay. first time, the first visual ever done uh, for Kaladin's shard plate exists. And you can go check it out on Kickstarter. That's really exciting. Yeah. How does the shard plate look, by the way? Uh, it looks really cool. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Fair, uh, fair. Yeah. Um, they did uh, quite a few of the things that we've discussed. Um, they have... So, <clears throat> a, a quick thing of it they, they're selling them in packs and so there's a way of kings pack and then there's words of radiance pack and so on um and so in one we have dalinar in his shard plate and then for the oathbringer pack we have dalinar not in shard plate um gotcha so they have been doing that that kind of thing um and some for some of the stretch goals that may be exclusive to the campaign i'm not sure if they are uh, how they're going to do it after they have been adding an extra bridge four member to each pack. Um, so the first one is coming, the way of Kings is coming with a one armed Lopin. Uh, okay. And the words of radiance will include rock. Um, and the third one they just renounced will, will have Relaine. Uh, they have not announced the fourth one and they haven't announced all of the designs because they want to string us along so that we keep visiting the page and potentially keep backing. Um, but for those not interested in miniatures, they also have slightly larger figurines. They have five. It's Kaladin, Yasna, Adolin in Shardplate, Skybreaker Zeth, and then they did add Shallan. And these figures are um, a little bit bigger, and they come pre-painted. So if you just want to display them, they're almost like amiibos. Uh, if you if you just want to display them, uh, those you can get all five, I believe, for sixty dollars, um, or a pack of four for uh, fifty, or individual ones for fifteen dollars. Um, but they also have those in uh, blister packs that look like they're also designed for retail later on. So they have. They have three different Kaladin miniatures, which is pretty cool. Um, so lots, lots to enjoy here. Um, they have the official uh, uh, versions of Eshenai. Um, they haven't revealed Venli and Leshwi, or have they revealed Venli? No. Um, oh, they did reveal Venli, uh, but they also have Leshwi. So we we are finally seeing what uh, sort of 3D and colored versions of uh, the singers look like. The singers and the fused. Um, right, right. And the Parshmen and Parshendi in general. Anyways, um, that was maybe a little longer than I wanted to go on that, uh, but I'm very excited. Um, do you want to do more life updates? Uh, yeah, because I do have kind of a big one. Oh, sure. 
Um, potentially, uh, we are conditionally approved, barring something coming up in the future. Uh, we are actually moving into your apartment complex. What? Yes. We'll be Seriously? Seriously. Oh my god. Seriously? Seriously. As I said, I have a letter offer barring right now the, the thing that we are limited in income, which should hopefully be relieved by the uh, job offer that I have coming up that I need to send the letter offer for on Monday. Uh, yeah, we should be moving into Keystone. Yeah, so we should be fully moved in by October 1st. Cool. Real cool. Indeed. It's gonna it's gonna take us back to those days where we lived down that really long street from each other. Um, yeah, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, good lord. So it'll make recording the podcast easier, especially when I no longer have access to a car. Yes, that's true. Is that um, a thing that's going to happen? Yes. Unfortunately, oh, okay. when I move out of here, I will also be losing access to the Prius. I see. So, but it's also not necessarily too, too far of a bike ride from my work, which was one of the, the main reasons that we applied. Oh, I it's actually know. closer. Yeah, the apartment to my work now is closer than my mom's house was to the old facility that I worked at. Oh, okay. Yeah, that it's makes only sense. about 37 to 48 minutes from... Your the the new facility is only about thirty seven to forty eight minutes from the your apartment complex, where my mom's house was a solid hour from the other facility. Gotcha. So, huh? So yeah, not too too terrible. No, I drive I drive thirty seven to forty eight minutes to work. Um. Um. Yeah. Neat. So yeah, that should be fun. It should be. Uh let's see, what else? But, what what else uh, have we got? Well I are we are we including Dragonsteel Con and Sanderson news or life updates? Uh probably Sanderson news, so let's see if we can uh save my editing fingers from having to replace the stormlight miniatures into a later anyways um (laughs) what else have we got uh Uh, life updates wise not a whole lot i don't think yeah beyond that um cool okay dragon steel yes sanderson news dragon steel con uh, yes. That is coming up in November, November fourteenth and fifteenth, correct? That's that's true. Uh, they've been sold out of badges for quite a while, um, or tickets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so we can just rub it in the listener's face. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, I know. But um, I was thinking beforehand we could possibly order some. Silverlight Guide t-shirts, just like a couple of custom ones, and if listeners are there, they could potentially come up and say hi. That's true. That's true. 
We could do that. Um, it's got potential. And they've put out the schedule of events. Um, right. Which we need to discuss at some point because we need to figure out exactly what we're going for and what we're not. Yes. And I have, um, for, for simplicity's sake, I have created uh, a schedule with um, my suggestions of what we should do as well as the best alternative in some spots um, to really get the most out of it. Uh, prioritizing meeting authors such as Dan Wells and Brian McClellan. Uh, and, oh, very nice. And also doing things that are fun, like learning how to draw your favorite Stormlight characters as cartoons. Um, or Cosmere characters as cartoons. So uh, we can discuss that later. Uh, I can yes. send that, um, and we can discuss how you how you register for that, because I'm not sure when it's going live tomorrow. Uh, but I imagine that there are limited spots for, for many of these things, and I'd like all three of us to be able to get in. Uh, so, I agree. Um, and yes, that would that would be excellent to sign up, get the spots, make sure that we don't miss anything. Um, yeah. We will also be, I think, recording each day of the con as kind of a Yeah. Bonus content, I guess. I guess so. I don't. I'm uh, not really sure. We'll I figure that out later. That, yeah, I was just thinking we'd probably do some unedited recording at the end of each day, and upload it as kind of a live update of sorts. Yeah, that makes sense. So, also, I should be getting the driver position at work, nice. uh, which is the new offer. So I guess that is a life update, but yeah. what that was leading into was I should be able to listen to uh, Lost Metal. Oh, neat. So uh, we should have quite a bit to talk about when that comes out. Indeed. Indeed. Have they announced the readers for the new audiobooks yet? Uh, for the secret projects? Yes. I am unsure. Because uh, I don't go looking for information on the secret projects. Nor have I. Because yeah. I know that we want to keep it uh, a new experience. I just didn't yes. know if they had announced anything about it. Not that I am aware of. Nope. Uh, and then other Sandersonian news. Stormlight 5 uh, is being officially pushed back to the fall of 2024. Uh, okay. <clears throat> because he is doing even more stuff uh, with editing the secret projects, as well as um, he said this is the year that Hollywood came knocking. Right. So right. he's doing lots there, uh, which is fine. Um, Indeed. Super fine. Unfortunately, it does mean that our, our episode on uh seeing the Cosmere things in film is probably going to be untrue because I do not believe that they are doing it animated last I heard. Oh yeah, likely not. Um but there's still a ton up in the air. Uh 
which is why I pushed that episode out at the beginning of September anyways. Right. I thought I gave it a clever title. Will screen adaptations help the Cosmere survive in the wild? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if anybody appreciates that, but I appreciate that. Um, Yep. We will see, honestly. um, Yeah, he did say, I think one of the big things that people have been touching on is that he said, and this was back in August, um, that this time next year they should be in production. Right, which was a lot of people commented that that was very ambitious. And while Sanderson is an ambitious person, uh, there are rules of physics and thermodynamics um, that probably need to be accounted for. Uh, so I am I'm going to let him do his own pace. Um, in addition to that, they've said that they're kind of they're going to do two Kickstarters a year. Uh, one would be book based, um, such as the Leatherbound, Stormlights, and that kind of thing. Um, and then the other would be uh, more of a product. Um, and really just limit it to two so that they, the quality doesn't um, suffer at all. Well, that'll um, be exciting. Cause he really doesn't, he doesn't want to take our money. He wants to provide cool stuff. Right. 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 Which I'm down for. For sure. Um, um. And uh, on, on a kind of side note, I am hoping um so I don't know how accurate this will be. I would love to do uh, painting tutorials. I know they're going to have painting tutorials of some of the miniatures from the Stormlight Miniatures Kickstarter. Um, but I would like to be in a, in a position with my skill to be able to do kind of paint along or uh, something similar. So look out for that, listeners, for Indeed. a year from now. Um, because that would be cool. All right. Yes, and I hope we are still have this podcast going a year from now. I mean, we should with the secret projects. We should. Oh yeah. Oh, trust me, we will have plenty to cover on that front. Yep. Yep. Very true. Plus, we will have to upload some videos. I think probably Dragon Steelcon will be our first videos. Potentially. Um, and then, uh, we'll probably do some more with the unboxing of each month's box that is not the, the book. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next week, next year we'll be busy. I mean, not next week, next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and for those who have, uh, ordered or have done the Kickstarter for the secret projects um, and, and are getting the items, they have revealed that um, a miniature for Talonel Lynn um, is going to be in the Stormlight miniatures box or in the Stormlight uh, month box uh, as a kind of, here you go. Um, nice. Yeah. So, that's going to be cool to paint. That will be very cool to paint. Yeah. And as I said, hopefully uh, since the miniatures will be available for retail, I will be able to get them later 
Um, because with the move coming up, I don't think I'll have the money this month to do so. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, uh, any other Sanderson news? Uh, not that I can think of. He's been at some conventions near Salt Lake City recently. Um, but that's all. Uh, oh, interestingly, um, they did the his final writing excuses cruise that he would be a part of, um, which... Uh, their 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 final destination ended up being Houston, uh, or or where the ship um, disembarked, and he stopped by a bookstore and signed fifteen hundred of his books. Okay, wow. Yeah, um, that's a lot which of books. Likely aren't there anymore, uh, but maybe, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. Uh, into the meat of today's discussion. Uh, Indeed. The last two real episodes we put out um, had confusing titles because nobody knows what Exordium is. And so they were uh, our discussions on the magic system on Skadrial. Oh, is, yes. Right. So those were the last two real episodes that were put out. Um because screen adaptations, you know, was an interlude. So, yes. Now so we're going. Now we are. Oh, go ahead. Believe... Uh, well, I was just saying, I believe we are discussing Mistborn Era 1. Mistborn Era 1, that's right. Um, and we're doing so in part because I lost part of the recording for our original discussion of it. And I think yes. we can probably do a more concentrated, impactful discussion on it if we do a, a redo. Um, a redux, whatever we want to call it. Uh, yes. So here we are. So, uh, general impressions of Mistborn Era 1. So my impressions have been interesting because, of course, uh, Mistborn was my first Brandon Sanderson experience. Um, right. It was my first, first encounter with any of his works whatsoever. Uh, and so I read it um, a while back. A while, while back, I, I say a while back, like it was, it was even within recent. No, I, I read it back in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, um, that was yep, eleven years ago. Uh, yeah, I believe it was published in two thousand six. Yes, so even or then, somewhere. I was a little bit late. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, I would have started reading it probably two thousand nine, two thousand ten, because it was when I started working at Borders, not when I ended. Indeed. And 2011 was the the end of my experience of Borders. Oh, the um, Final Empire was published in 2006. So okay, so I read it about three years after it came out. Um, I don't even no, I do remember what got me into it. Um, because uh, Borders had a free copy of some sort. Yes, and I grabbed it. As an as an option to read later, and eventually I did so. So that was what got me reading the Final Empire at the very least. Um, and then, of course, I moved on to 
the Well of Ascension, and then Hero of Ages. So now recently I did do a reread of, um, or re-listen, I suppose, to The Final Empire. Um, that happened earlier this year, I think, before headphones became difficult to use at work. Um, but anyway, the, the, the reason I was bringing that up was that I read it first, but then of course I've read a lot of other or Brandon Sanderson's other works. And I think my, like my, my rating of era one has dipped a little bit. Has it really? Yes. Um, Compared to Era 2 and the Stormlight Archives, it is not as polished. Sure. Uh, I don't think Brandon Sanderson had quite the quality to his writing that he does on some of his later projects. That's fair. Uh, so I believe it is dipped slightly on that respect. But that does not that is not to say that it is not very good. It is very good. I just don't necessarily think it compares to some of his older or his uh some of his newer works. I agree. The real draw there is the uniqueness of the magic system really yes. carries a lot of the book forward. Um I actually I will say that is still the case. Yeah, that's still the case. Um and and they're really Sanderson is real good at, at creating kind of unique feeling magic systems. Um even when you could say, Oh, they go around acting like Magneto. Um that's not really the case, but a little part of it is. Um slightly. Yeah. I, I would say that that is a vast simplification of even the Magneto-like powers. (laughs) It sure is. Um, I I don't remember if I've discussed this on the podcast. I I kept saying that my first Sanderson book was the Stormlight Archive. Um, And in in all in almost all of the ways it was. That's a true fact. First Sanderson book I read fully was Stormlight Archive. I remember you telling me about Mistborn. Yes. I believe I was pretty much telling everyone about Mistborn yes. when I first read it. A long so. a long time ago. And you uh and I remember and this is of course paraphrasing that you were like, Oh, this author, he's doing this thing where he's he's writing three trilogies, but they're hundreds of years apart. Um and he's got the first trilogy out right now or something like that. And that I think you told me about it like twice. And then at one Probably. point at one point I went to a bookstore and I was like, I want something new to read. Um, let me grab Mistborn by Sanderson. Uh, and I think I had to Google, I couldn't remember Miss something by Sander something. Um, and I found it, and I grabbed it, and I tried to start reading it, and I couldn't get past the prologue um, because of the learning curve, which is admittedly not very large. But I was like, I don't know what the ska are. This is boring. Um, so, funny, did... funny story about that. 
Um, for the longest time, he doesn't describe what the word ska means. Right. It actually takes him a long while to get into what the definition of the ska were. Right. So I was literally picturing a different species entirely. Right. Uh, and that, and, and somebody had told me, um, even before I started reading, I think my other friend Daniel had said, um, FYI, the ska are human, or maybe it was you. And I was like, okay, um, whatever that means. Uh, and, and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't into it, um, for, for whatever reason. And, um, that was my first brush with Mistborn. Fair. And I must say, uh, I do really enjoy audiobooks, uh, quite a bit more than normal reading in general, uh, because of, of the, um, easiness of it. Yes. The, the, what's the word I'm looking for? You know what I'm looking for. Accessibility? Um, yes, that one. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it is much more pleasant uh, listening to Michael Kramer tell you about these things instead of kind of doing it in your own head. Um, and I will say, as much as I enjoy reading, I will say, the uh, like you, the accessibility of an audiobook, especially with the fact that I have a good deal of time at work to listen, Um makes it much easier on my end because I do not have to take up any of my uh, normal free time with, like I say, take up like it would be a, a sacrifice and it's not, but there are other things I would, I would much rather devote my free time to Indeed. Uh, that I cannot do passively while working. Right. Um, and, and I'm sure as you've noticed, and as our adult listeners have noticed, um, there is a point at which you you know you lose a lot of time where you can you're looking for something to do instead of having something you must do such as dishes or yes. chores and audiobooks are accessible now um, and so that concludes our episode on the uh, virtues of audiobooks um, <laughs> yes. over yes. print. Uh, I will say Thanks. if if an apocalypse happens. Um, I one, I am certain to die pretty soon. Um, but two, I'm not going to lament the fact that audiobooks are no more, um, because we'll have all the time in the world to read. Uh, yes. But but for now, audiobooks are great. Yeah, I was I was about to say I'm sure as I get older and you know I retire and have a good deal more free time than I do now, I will probably start going back into actually reading reading as opposed to. Uh, audiobooks, but for the moment, I do not have that free time, so I will appreciate audiobooks and the fact that they allow me to get through these stories uh, while doing something else. Indeed. So, Mistborn is not as polished as his later books, which is, of course, understandable. Yes. Uh, um, he has it came out earlier. Yeah. Um, but he has he is going to die on the hill of Skadriel being kind of the most important um 
world in the Cosmere. Uh, and part of the, I think part of the draw, once you get into the wider Cosmere uh, of schedule, we know it's, it's essentially an equivalent of Earth. Um, yes. But it's that... He, he has stated, yeah. I believe, that anything that is on Earth will be on Skadriel. Right. Um, which is cool. And then um, there's really a sort of anticipation, um, even through the second era, where, you know, we're going to jump to the 1980s and then jump to future. Uh, that really makes the Mistborn books the the integral part of of the Cosmere experience. Yes. Uh, but Stormlight Archives is better. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Flat out. Uh, no, I'm just... I'm, I'm not gonna... I think what I will be interested to see, and of course these are predictions for the future rather than Arrow 1, but... Um, it will be interesting to see how Brandon Sanderson crafts a a spy thriller with the Allomantic and Ferrochemical powers. Well, you know, at, at one point there's going to be um, a pseudo heist, if not a full heist, and they're going to do the um, the bit where instead of uh, repelling down a rope into the museum to grab the ancient artifact, um, it will just be a uh, steel pusher. Um, uh. And and something is going to happen, and they're going to catch themselves right above the uh, infrared, um, the the laser, right, uh, right yes, there. Yes, um, And the steel is going to burn out or something. Uh, something like that. Um that's what uh that's what I imagine. That's when when I whenever I hear spy thriller uh and Mistborn, there's two thing there's two images that pop in my head. There's that and then cr- for some reason um crawling through an air duct. And yes, I mean I, I, crawling through an air duct is is classic. It is classic and recently I have been enlightened to the fact that Almost any air duct anywhere is not going to have the structural support uh, to support a human crawling through it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, of course. It's it's one of those Hollywood uh, fabrications like um, setting the trail from a car on fire, a gasoline trail on a car from fi- on fire and watching it rush down and burn up the car. Like, that does not work either. It does yeah. not travel fast enough. Yeah. But Mistborn Era 1, uh, which yes. this episode is centered on, uh, yes. what have we got? Um, so we have Vin, who uh-huh. is the, I think, main protagonist of all three books, although it does occasionally move into other people's viewpoints. Right. Um. Vin is a street urchin that is found to be an allomancer who is one who can burn, well, or I guess found to be a misborn. Sure. 
which uh, compared to a Misting, who can only ingest and burn one of the metals, a Mistborn can ingest and burn all of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's it. That's the story. Uh, I mean, for the first one, all, almost, yeah, kind of. <laughs> there's a bad guy, and then uh, they f- they want to steal something from him, and it doesn't go right. Um, and oh, yeah, does not does that not go right? And really, the first book is um, is you know seven, eight out of ten. Um, but there is a huge flaw. Um, that breaks Sanderson's law of magic. Okay, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Um, and it, and this is something he's discussed himself. If if you go listen to his lectures, um, that he's done uh, at BYU and put on YouTube, um, the the part at the end with uh, where Vin is facing the Lord Ruler, and she, hello, hello, go kitty. On. Go on out. There you go. Um, Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, you know, everybody has their own story to tell. <laughs> indeed, indeed. The part where Vin is facing the Lord Ruler, um, and she she has the mists flow into her. That is the first time we see that power happen and it is not explained until until a lot later um yes. until two books later uh and and not he, really until the end of that set of the third book right and so and and he's said the beta readers were like this is not normal this is weird you know um, it, in his lecture on promises and expectations or something like that uh, for plot, um, you set the story up to go where it's going to go. You make a promise, you set the expectations, um, and then something like that comes along and you've now blindsided the reader with something you did not let them predict. Um, so it really was a deus ex machina. Um, yeah, it was. Um, and I think it would have been much more so had he not gone in and explained what was going on in the third book. But right. I will freely admit that as a standalone experience, yes, you do get blindsided by a new experience um, that is not explained. Yeah. and um, But I will say his reliance on unreliable narrators um helps to make the ending of book one feel uh climactic even true even when a lot of what vin does is useless um it's 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 nice to have that kind of 11th metal thing going on all along and then it's actually quite useless and so on um but mistborn era one really shines when you take all three books as a whole uh and you cut out chunks of the second one and just toss them and you say we don't need these anymore and then you say this is a really really good trilogy 
<laughs> you can just you can just take the parts that are a through y, and we can toss the z, because Zane is a sore thumb. Um, that yeah, I would yeah. love to one day sit down and um, really hammer out a way that Mistborn, uh, the, or not even Mistborn, the Hero of Ages works, uh, not Hero of Ages, Well of Ascension works um, if you excise his parts. And Well, and I think that was the most interesting thing to me, because here's, here's the thing that I have always found with trilogies. The best trilogies I have read, barring some exceptions are always the first book can stand alone as a story. Mm -hmm. And I think for the most part, that is true for uh, Final Empire. Yes. I think you can read Final Empire as a standalone book. Yes, there are some questions at the end, but for the most part, the story is done at the end, and you could leave it there and have a satisfying read. Yeah. Books two and three should flow into each other, expand on the story from book one, and book two does not necessarily have to have the same uh, satisfying end that book one does, because you are going to flow into book three. Agreed. Uh, that is, as I said, my own personal view. I'm not saying anybody has to agree with me. And 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 I I 100% uh, agree with that. Um, that's something um, I actually. Sorry, okay. go on. Oh, I was going to say many movies, um, many trilogy movies are quite like that too. Uh, yes, uh, I had this with the Midnighters. Uh, it's actually that was the series that I that I uh, realized this was was the uh, Midnighters series by uh, Westerfold Scott Westerfold. Whoever did the Uglies, Pretties... Sure. That that series. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but regardless, the thing that I was going to say is that Zane is kind of this floating variable that doesn't go anywhere. Like, True. she doesn't... She doesn't, uh, you know, I, I mean, they kind of set up sort of a love triangle situation, which is not my favorite storyline regardless. Right. Um, but they set up this this storyline with Zane, and then he kind of dies at the end. And I just, I didn't find it satisfying because there's really no risk with the love triangle. Like at no point did I think that she was going to go with Zane. Right. Um, and then he provides no other plot relevance. No, I, mean, like, I know we know he's being controlled by ruin. Right. And there's all of that, but even so it still feels like a, <sighs> I feel like the information, the small amount of information we get from that could have been delivered in another way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would, I, if I were to, you know, retroactively go back and, and be the main advisor to Brandon Sanderson <laughs> on the Stormlight Archives or on, uh, on, um, 
the Mistborn trilogy, I would probably recommend excising Zane and uh, I don't know what I would replace it with because it'd be a much shorter book, but true. Um, yeah, I I think and and I don't know if we're we're unique among the listeners on disliking Zane. I haven't seen a lot of people's other people's viewpoints on the Mistborn trilogy. But... From what I understand, we are not alone. Okay, uh, the coworkers I've introduced to. The Mistborn series um, have all kind of said the same thing. So, anecdotally, we're not alone. Um, I'm sure somebody out there is like, Thane's the best character ever. Um, and and They are welcome to their opinion. Of course uh, they are. But Or are they? Yeah. Well, I will say that, like, okay, there's actually two ways I would deal with Thane. I would either... Excise them entirely. Uh-huh. Or I would double down and make him much more important than he currently is. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess really I remember him as the useless part of a love triangle and ultimately a bad influence. Um, the bad influence part was kind of important uh, for where the story ends up. Up, but I do want to say I think if that influence hadn't been there, um, we still would have seen a similar arc uh, from Vin. And I think that that bad influence could have occurred internally for Vin rather than Vin, because because Zane is a uh, manifestation and uh, an external manifest. Well, I say manifestation. I mean narratively, not not in the universe rules. Sure. Of Vin's own insecurities. That's fair. And her own skills as as you know Ellen's protector, and her own insecurities about whether or not she'll be able to fit into society as a whole. And while important, I feel it wasn't crucial. I feel like we could have gotten that aspect of it from Vin's own internal uh, struggles rather than needing an external representation of it. Huh. Yeah, that's fair. But on a positive note, uh, the Hero of Ages uh, wraps up the trilogy quite nicely. Yes, yes it does. um, With the best um, kind of moment, I think, in in all the Mistborn books so far, um, where where Sazed becomes the hero of ages. Um, yes, brilliantly done. Great, unreliable narrator setting up that whole situation. Um, really great. Great time. Yes, I will say that Sazed uh, Becoming Hero of Ages was absolutely fantastic. And I will also say that, um, interestingly enough, I think that uh, Mistborn of Secret History is a little bit more crucial than even Brandon Sanderson makes it out to be. I agree. And, and I almost want to say that I have a problem with that. 
um, that I do feel like it is that crucial. Um, yes. The plot with the mist beings that seem to either want to harm Ellen or help people um, was incredibly confusing for most of the time uh, and didn't really end up not being confusing until you read Secret History. Yes, I will completely agree with you. It is never even in the end externally explained as to why the mist beings conversely attack and not attack, or seem to attack and not attack people on the trip to the Well of Ascension. Mm-hmm. And that is never actually cleared up unless you read a secret history and see what is going on behind the scenes. Um, so, yes, I completely agree with you. I do have a little bit of a problem insofar as it was kind of treated as DLC, but you can't actually really make sense of the plot until you have access to it. Mm-hmm. I say DLC as if it's a video game, but you know yeah, what sure. I'm talking about. Sure, I do, I do. Yeah. It's actually the same issue that I have with Bioware, which is like, do not put crucial plot elements into your DLC. That is not what DLC is supposed to be there for. No, no. Um, yeah, that's really... And and so, so some people are... Some people say read secret history after you finish um bands of mourning uh no i know and i think that's dumb yeah no i i would say that is i mean even if you're doing a straight read from final empire to bands of mourning yeah i still think that that is a bad place to put it I agree, and the only reason people seem to suggest that is to get the maximum amount of um, oomph from the fact that Kelsier is alive. And I think that's dumb. Uh, Yeah, I think it is, because here's the thing. Bands of Mourning does not, or not Bands of Mourning, uh, Secret History does not in any way imply that Kelsier survives beyond Spook's reign. Right. So I think you can read it at the end of Mistborn just fine, and you won't... Like, like I don't think it spoils the fact that Kelsier is alive in any way, shape, or form. No. No. Um, there's... It... And really, reading A Secret History after Hero of Ages allows two moments of, oh, Kelsier is still doing stuff. Um, but if you go through, like, even though the second era is a lot shorter um, per book than the first, you're still getting further and further away from that, having the knowledge of when the Mist Spirits did what they did, um, when Kelsier talks with Spook in Hero of Ages. Um, and the further you get away from that, the more confusing reading a secret history is going to be, because you're going to be like, oh, okay, it's kind of just like Kelsier was there sometimes, and sometimes that was ruined. Um, but you you miss the, the nuances. Um, right. I Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that 
honestly, my recommendation, honestly, my recommendation would be cutting uh, Secret History into chunks. Yeah. And uh, reading part of it after uh, Well of Ascension and another part after Hero of Ages. I agree. Or, honestly, if you really wanted to get into it, I would probably cut uh, the the books themselves into chapters and then uh, insert chapters of secret history in between certain chapters of Hero of Ages, or uh, well, well of Ascension and Hero of Ages. Yeah. But that's not really doable. So. No. Until, uh, we, get, until we get the director cut the super cut um <laughs> yes i think it would be interesting however to uh kind of do a a chapter by chapter uh splicing of where within that i would put the secret history yeah do really fine um, fine detailed map because because clearly you can put one of the chapters in Final Empire, actually, because because right. I don't think we're spoiling anything. Or mm, well, no. we say at the beginning of every episode, there this is not spoiler free. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Kelsier dies in Final Empire, and that's immediately where secret history begins. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to see Kelsier's journey parallel to everybody else it really would it would be cool to um, to map that out yeah because because we don't see wait we see vin wait do we see vin in in secret history uh just at the very end when she and Ellen meet Kelsier. Okay, I could not remember if we see her take on We see that in the The book. Lord Ruler. Oh, oh. Oh, you mean because like doesn't doesn't the Lord Ruler appear and then and then get thrown in or disappear into the great beyond? Kelsier sees that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I don't think we really see anything more about that until she ends up in the Well of Ascension. Yeah. So, I, we do anyway, see those bits, sorry. yeah. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but it would be interesting to splice in the chapters of uh, secret history into the books themselves. It would. But, um, yeah, I think, I, I do think Well of Ascension is the weakest of the story. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That said, I mean, we do get some very important information on the Chandra. True. We get, there is, there's, there, there are a lot of redeeming parts about the Well of Ascension. Um, and, and, of course, it, it it is good. It's a it's a good. Yes. Uh, it's a, it is a good story. I mean, Zane Zane's part notwithstanding. Right, exactly. So Era One, 
it, it, it's a good, solid story. Um, a good introduction to the magic system and really getting Skadriel to the point where it can be, uh, excuse me, where it can be um, an Earth analog. Uh, it's really... Yeah, you're definitely not wrong there because it does start out as a much more, or it, it starts out feeling like a much more typical fantasy world. Yeah. Um, and I think the end of series one is is definitely a necessary journey to getting Skadriel back to where, like you said, it's an Earth analog and setting up for Era 2. Yeah. In a way, um, because of how they refer to the Era 1 stuff in Era 2, it is, and this is a very loose comparison, it is almost Cimmerillion to the Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. Although a lot... uh, no, I absolutely agree because 300 years passes between um, era one and era two, and and in that time, era one, all of the the actions of era one's like world become myth rather than yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure what else there is to say on it. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, do we want to go over the characters? Um, Actually, there is one thing I will bring up, even okay. before, even if we don't go into any of the other characters. I find Kelsey are fascinating. Okay. For two reasons. One, like, he absolutely is a protagonist, don't get me wrong. But in much the same way of Rick and Morty or even Fight Club, he is not necessarily a good person. No. No, he's not. He's very um, and gray. I mean, yes, he's very morally gray. Um, and I think that that's kind of fascinating because, um, you know, we're kind of presented... We're presented to him as if what he is doing is good and justified. Right. And and in some respects, it is at least understandable, if not necessarily justified. Yeah. But, but I will say that the further you get in, even in the secret history, um, the more you see that his moral... Uh, ambiguity is is actually much more central to his character, and he is, uh, in some respects, almost kind of one of those people that is only a hero because he feel like he feels like he owns, like 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 protection of Scadriel is his is his primary focus, right. And so it does not matter what it takes to protect Scadriel. That is what he will do. He he is not concerned with a Cosmere-wide uh, good or evil or or right. you know or um what's his name uh, Odium. Like I I do not think he cares about Odium 
past whether or not it prevents a, th- a threat to Skadriel. I agree. Uh, he's almost um, a Doctor Doom kind of character in yes. that regard. Yes. Um, and like you know, I I definitely think that his his experience in uh, in the Final Empire shows that he is there to. He manipulates basically the entire team to build himself up as a god so that people will have something else to worship. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 and, and, you know, throughout it all, it does hint to, like, that he has another plan going on and stuff like that. And and it works. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we see in Era 2 that, you know, the, the Church of the Survivor exists. Um, True. But, but at the same time, it's very clear that, like, he does not trust his team. I mean, he trusts them insofar as he get, he expects them to get the job done, but he does not tell anyone about what he is planning. Um, he just enacts it. It's true. Very true. And and yeah, he does build himself up to be a god, and, and he does give the people of Skadriel someone else to worship so that the Lord Ruler is not the sole religious focus, but... Even in so far as that goes, it's still a very arrogant plan. <laughs> it's a very arrogant person. Um, he is, yes. Yeah. Which is, I, I would say that I think that that's probably his fatal flaw, and what I think we will see be his undoing at the end of everything. Likely, though, uh, with wit being, with wit existing, um, kind of. Which which of the arrogant uh, bastards is gonna <laughs> win out here? Fair, fair. Um, I mean they they've had a tussle once. Uh-huh. Uh We see that at the Well of Ascension. Yeah, at which the Well still... of Ascension in Secret History. Yeah. Yeah, which that's what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've seen them tussle once at the Well of Ascension in Secret History. Um although parts of that still do confuse me. The glowing eye bits. The glowing eye bits and the the healing. Hmm. Like the fact that all of the bodily afflictions that Kelsier seems to put wit through seems to vanish. But he is absolutely not a Knight's Radiant at that point, so... Right. I mean, maybe it's got something to do with the Dawn Shard. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see if it's explained. At this point, it won't be. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think until we... Pro- I do not think it will be explained until we at least get to Era 3 of the Mistborn. At least... If not um, in a short story in the next anthology that happens in fifteen years, yeah, good lord, which I am waiting on because yes, do I want to? Uh, do I want to listen to the audiobook of Don Shard? Absolutely. Do I feel it is worth buying individually instead of waiting for an anthology? No. No. 
So, the eternal struggle. Yeah. The eternal struggle. But anyway, um, I will say that we do see something interesting in Arrow 1, although it is not until we get a secret history, which is um, the Eerie. Right. And... And doing Whatever everything is going on there. Everything in his power to retcon um Elantris into the Cosmere. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because we do have con- confirmation that the Eerie are Elantrians, correct? Uh yes. 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 Uh and and for those listening, um there might you might the other pronunciation is Irie. Um, fair, fair. Uh, which is confusing because there is a country in uh, Roshar called Iri, um, which is I R I, and then the Iri are I R E. Right. Yes. Thank you, Sanderson, for that. Um, <laughs> likely, but... likely, there's a connection there. Um, that if we asked him about it, he would be like, hmm, yes, that is a that is a connection. There's more stuff going on there uh, than, than I can let you know about right now. But uh, good question. Um, that's really, yeah. you know, if, if the um, Voronism and uh, the Vo religion, whatever it's called in Warbreaker... Um, are connected, then it's likely Eerie and Irie have connections. Are connected there. in... Yeah. yeah. Um, that said, um, yeah, I do believe that it was Brandon Sanderson's uh, somewhat of his attempt to to retroactively apply Elantris into the Cosmere, because we get a similar uh, thing with uh, one of the interludes in Stormlight Archives. Yes. Um, but and I it, will say I find it. Sorry, go on. Oh, I, I was just gonna say his retconning is really just making the magic system based on investiture from devotion and dominion. The fact that Elantris exists in the Cosmere would have had, I would have had absolutely no issue with whatsoever. Um, but he, but, but trying to shove devotion and dominion into the shards and the door and everything like that. Um, and he's even said he had, you know, he's had to retcon it into uh, that. Um, so, right. 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 And I will say there, there are still some questions left unanswered uh, on that front. And I don't know if he'll ever get around to answering them or not. Uh, I think you can actually go back and listen to our Alondra's episode. If you want, a further discussion on our, our our ideas of how it all fits into the Cosmere. Yeah. Anyways, um, back to the what secret I do history. Find interesting, yeah. yeah, what I do find interesting and something that it, it kind of reveals was that the Elantrian world has power and almost something akin to electricity long before pretty much any other world in the Cosmere apart from potentially Taldane. Because uh, we do not see White Sands' uh, technological advancement. Um, but we do know that it is up to Mistborn Arrow 1's technological advancement 
before Miss Warren Arrow won. Yeah. So the fact that Elantrian almost seems to have an electric analog at the very least, uh, by the time that, or yeah, Elantris, uh, what is the world? That's not Elantris. Elantris is the city. Cell. Uh, Cell. Cell. The fact that Cell seems to have an electric analog at the point where, um, Mistborn Era 1 is in medieval technology. Yeah. And the fact that it's very likely that Taldane takes place before Elantris. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, really speaks to one the technological advancement of the other worlds compared to uh, Skadriel. Yeah. I suppose those could happen independently of time, of like, like it could take one planet a lot longer to, to figure something out. Um, well, and we do know that Skadriel was put on a technologically advanced uh, stagnation yes. because of the Lord Ruler. That's true. So there is that aspect of it. But I will be interested to see where the Elantrians are uh, in further books. I agree. Hopefully we get, hopefully we get some. At this point, at this point, I'm just, I, I just want the back half of Stormlight Archive, the two more trilogies of Mistborn, and then the three Dragonsteel books. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's that's pretty much what I'm looking forward to when it comes to wrapping up the whole the whole Odium uh, storyline. Yeah. That said, I will freely admit the King. Was is it Kingmaker? Is that the? Oh right, something like that. Something along those lines. Uh, the the other story that is that occurs on sixth uh, or uh, first of the sun. Yes. I I actually really like first of the sun's world, and I would oh, like yes. to see more stories on it because. I definitely appreciate what it is. I appreciate the way he built that world. And even if we don't get anything more that is plot relevant, um, I still think it would be fun to see more stories develop on it. It would be. Um, And I hope there's some sort of um, moment when most of the Cosmere has been revealed. or or maybe he selects some some person to take the charge and develop um some sort of index uh uh compendium of of the worlds enough that there can be some sort of tabletop game or something similar um yeah i mean that while i've while i have not worked on it for a while um a cosmere wide tabletop system is still something I would like to develop. Yeah. Uh, Something that works no matter what world you're on, no matter what magic system you're using. 
Yeah, we just got to... Which currently, I don't think is the case, because I do not believe that um, the people doing the Stormlight Archives RPG is the same that did the Mistborn. No, they are indeed not the same, um, but it from what from the very 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 little information that has been said because they're not expecting um anything until 2024 on that front uh it it will be much more um I'll I'll throw out dungeons and dragons like um but the dude specifically mentioned stats that dungeons and dragons has uh um, okay so it it's it's and and the video the they have like a 15 second video of um digital renders of some of the miniatures fighting uh the chasm fiend and they roll a d20 and um like a d12 and and a d6 um so i believe it's going to be much more normal I'm gonna say the right, word normal. D20s. Yeah, D20 based. Uh, instead of I don't I haven't played the the Mistborn game. I'm I'm not gonna throw it. I I have heard how that one functions, and it's buck wild in my opinion. Yeah. So. Uh. So yeah, that's not. Uh. I I do. I am glad that they're kind of moving away from that. Uh. Because I think that the the Mistborn. One is interesting if misguided. Yeah, um, and I and and I personally think a fate system would probably be um, a really good way to adapt across everything. Um, yes and no. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make for very specific combat, um, but it would make for I, very easy. Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not even that. the The issue that I have, I think, with using fate as a system is that I do not think they're um was it uh stress box system would work very well to represent uh investiture. Oh you'd have to yeah you'd have to still create the investiture part. Um yeah and I think that that you know that's that's why I was planning on making a system of my own because I think the amount of work you would need to get fate to fit in would almost require making a system by itself. Now, one thing I will say is that I do like fate's whole thing about um I like I like the way fate uses stress box stress boxes in general. Sure. Uh sorry, we're going off on a tangent here, but I will <laughs> say there are some things I think from fate that that could be pulled especially. Now the one thing I will say about Sanderson's books and the reason why um in my opinion uh, an RPG might be difficult, not not impossible by any means. Clearly, there's been two of them made so far. Is that Brandon Sanderson doesn't put a lot of monsters into his stories? That's true. Uh, we have the Chasm Fiends, we have the White Spines, and as super dangerous animals go, that's pretty much it. Yeah. 
um, all of the rest of his villains are human for the most part. Right. Or they're gods that you can't really fight in a traditional sense. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could use a book. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kelsier does punch God, but, you know, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's one of those things where, like, if you try to go up against Odium, it doesn't play out. Right. So you're, I mean, ultimately, the Stormlight tabletop is going to be a battle simulator um, between armies. Uh, right. or I think it would work definitely more as a war game, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And I think if if you were to do a Cosmere-wide tabletop game, it would be way more in the role-playing aspect um, and having intricate characters uh, and plot more than it and would I be. Think that, yes. And I think, well, and I was going to say, and I think that's actually where something like a fate system would shine, where you have both mental and physical or, and social stress boxes. Yes. So you can make social attacks against someone or, you know, mental attacks against them. And so, yeah, I do think that that would work on that front. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, the other kind of... Um road roadblock uh, or barrier to making cosmere wide system is that we don't know how the magic interacts yet uh in a lot of cases not, not wholly no we do have some examples of it uh wit being of course one of the major ones right um but i uh, and to be really thorough um as a as a starting point i think a chart outlining exactly where spikes need to be put um, for every single kind of thing that could happen via hemolurgy. Uh, that is the starting point of what would need to happen for a robust system. Um, yes. Um, and I also think that, but one of the things that I was going to do, and one of the things that I was definitely going to advocate for my investiture system was having it be a more narrative system than a strict system, because the only strict system we get with solid numbers is breaths right. from, um, forgetting the name of the world. Nalthus. Nalthus. Yes. Because we do have a strict number of breaths how many breaths it takes to get to the next level up and what those levels do. How many breaths does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Um, so the fact is, is that since we don't have those solid numbers for any of the other investiture, I think a 10 level system with checks rather than specifically being reduced after you use an ability. Yeah. You make a check after each ability you use with increasing penalties until you do drop. Uh, fits it well narratively. That's fair. That's Since fair. Even with, even with um, 
the metal mines and and investing amounts in and then pulling out later we still don't get a solid measurement on that yeah ultimately it's all very confusing and we're probably never going to get answers pretty Uh, much yeah so i'll work with what we got yeah anyway um back to mistborn era one is there anything more to say I don't really think so. Um, I think that, well, we should probably mention the fact that Vin does become briefly preservation. Yeah. Um, and seeing her power Ellen's misborn abilities was fairly impressive. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and then, well, and we should say that Sazen, when he becomes the Hero of Ages, does become Harmony. That's true. Uh, he does take on both uh, preservation and ruins uh, powers and contains them as, in a single body, which will be it will be interesting to see whether or not that has major implications later on. Oh, I'm sure it will. In his mess, in his letters to to Hoyd in um, Rhythm of War or or Oathbringer, I can't remember which one. Um, he's like, oh, Odium's going around destroying everything, because when you have two shards, uh, it changes fundamentally um, what you can do and, and how easy it is to act and and so on and so forth. And Right. So. Well, and it'll just be interesting to see, because if, if our predictions from past episodes is correct, and Hoyt is trying to revive uh, Edonasium, yeah. I don't know, Sam. Um, then that will mean some probably pretty critical uh, consequences for Harmony. That's true. So, but regardless, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for Arrow 1. Yeah. Don't need to uh, to beat a dead mist race with a wait. It's true. No. Um, and so I think our next episode are we getting on to era two? Yes. Okay. Um then I suppose we will probably talk then. Is there anything else we need to discuss at the end of the show? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, then, I suppose uh, we will talk next week when we cover Mistborn Era 2. Mm-hmm. And um, until then, uh, don't panic, World Hoppers. Life before death, strength before weakness, and journey before Destin, Florida. The music you hear is part three, The Spirit, from Zavadilla's The Music of Elantris, produced by B-Roll Records, available now on Apple Music, Spotify, and most music providers. If you like what you hear, and you want others to hear it as well, please leave a rate and review. It really helps us get more listeners.